The following is brought to you by Clockshelves Entertainment's sister show, MCU and Me, exploring the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the beginning in release order, starting all the way back with Iron Man 1 and going through the various pockets of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from the films, TV series, then Netflix shows, and more. Check us out. It's MCU and Me, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Buffyverse and Converse. As always, I am Paul Casey, and I am delighted to be joined once again by uh, some of the amazing recurring guests that we have on the program. In no particular order, we have Kiona, Amanda, Lisa, Ruth, and Bill joining us once again. Go ahead and say hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi there. So uh, normally I would say, oh, how is everyone doing? But a little peek behind the microphone, we're doing this about two days after we just recorded the last episode, the double episode for Surprise and Innocence. So I'm going to assume not a whole lot has changed for the folks that I just saw for uh, that really fun episode in person. However, Kiona, I'm going to ask you, uh, since unfortunately uh, you live a little bit more of a distance away. Too far south. (laughs) Right. So... uh, um, obviously, it's been uh, a little bit since we've uh, had you on the show only because of that. So um, how are you doing? And uh, very quickly, before we get into the actual discussion of the episode we're here on, um, did you have anything? I'm sure we could get to it in a little bit as well if you have anything that you want to expand. But um, I'm going to give you your opportunity to uh, say uh, your piece about surprise and innocence here. Well, my goodness, surprise and innocence are two of, I think, definitely within my top 10, if not top seven, if not top five episodes of the entire show. Um, I consider them one episode pretty much because without one, you can't have the other. Um, For me personally, I've been going through like a really hard time uh, recently, like just, you know, emotionally, mentally and stuff like that. This whole year has just been a hard one, guys. It's been tough. So basically, um, not to put, not, not to get too personal, but I'm, I'm actually going to consult with uh, a therapist tomorrow, um, just initial consultation. So it's something that I've been putting off and that I feel like I definitely need to do. So watching surprise and innocence, when you're in the middle of a, of, 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 uh, mental health issues, let's say issues, um, it's quite an experience because that that's a very emotional tandem of episodes. Um, when, when Sarah Michelle Geller just loses her, you know, in innocence, just like is 
like just bawling her eyes out and is just like lying there, you know, with, oh my God, that really hit, that hit hard. Um, I understood, I empathize, let's just say that. So for me, it was a, it was a kind of a tough watch in a way. Like I haven't seen these episodes in quite a while. Um, so I just, I, I love them. I think that they're wonderful. And I think that, you know, as, um, as Joss once said, Joss Whedon, you know, he who shall not be named once said, um, it's the mission statement of the show. And I think that innocence is the turning point of the entire series. And I really enjoyed, I enjoyed everyone's performances and I enjoyed especially David Boreanaz's performances as Angelus. Um, he's a great villain. You could tell he just eats it up. He has fun with that role. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, of course, just brings it as she always does. Anthony Stewart Head as Giles. That final moment with Buffy in the car, where most adults in her life, most, you know, parental figures, authority figures in her life would be just so angry at her or would be ashamed of her or would judge her or whatever it is. Giles does not. And that is the best thing I think that happens in the entire episode. The fact that he doesn't judge her for her decision, even though it was a rash decision, a wrong decision, what have you, but still he doesn't judge her. He, he knows that she loved angel and angel loved her apparently, but that was, you know, it, it, it's a star cross thing. It's a, uh, it's just, it's something that I guess she had to go through in order to grow and to become the person that she ultimately does become. Uh, I think, I think it's a masterwork of the series. I think it's the best episode so far. And I haven't, I, I just, I can't really describe it. I think, I think surprise sets it up so perfectly. And I think innocence is the just a great way to cap off what uh surprise basically teed up for the show and i i'm i'm not to obviously how do you follow that very impassioned speech but i'm gonna try um <laughs> i <laughs> i i had said several episodes back that um you know, kind of starting arguably with Halloween, that we were going on an arc of yeah. the show, right? And there was the the Ethan Rain episodes we talked about. There was, um, you know, the some of the stuff with with Jenny and and Giles, um, leading into, uh, what's my line when Kendra shows up, which is pretty much where Xander and Cordelia start to get together. And then that even comes, you know, not full, not, I don't want to say full circle, but it, it, it progresses here with Willow, you know, well there, I should say with Willow finding out and whatnot. And, you know, and, and I really, I mostly, I want to get uh, Bill's perspective because uh, this episode that we're about to talk about phases continues some of that. 
Um, but I, I do want to say this. So we're going to be talking about phases and, and I have my, my fantastic facts as I always do back to four, cause it's a, you know, regular old episode. So we're back to the four. Um, Just wait, you got to tell Kiona how many you had for surprise and innocence. Well, so, yes, as, please. so I had for, for what's my line, I, I, we had 14. So for, uh, mm. surprise and innocence, I had 24. Oh, <laughs> I love so, it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so um, we're back to four now because it's just a regular yeah. old episode. But actually, I would argue this isn't a regular old episode um, because we're continuing our arc. And really, I don't even know if at this point I can really call it an arc. It just feels like this is sort of just what the series is now. I was I was thinking about it right before we got started here and um, unlike, you know, Surprise and Innocence, which uh, Kiona is not alone when people rank uh, Buffy episodes a lot, that that does tend to rank very highly amongst uh, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of fans only because of what it means that we've seen so far and obviously what it means going forward for a lot. Because again, as we know, we got introduced to Angelus and... Um, you know, we we have, you know, the the development of uh, Spike and Drusilla and all, you know, a lot of the things. Again, we, we talked about a lot of it, and I'm sure some more of it we'll talk about here and as the season progresses. Um, but I would actually say that this episode phases, which I have to admit, I'm I'm not I would not say that this is probably even in my personal like top 20 of episodes however yeah. i was thinking about it and structurally mm -hmm. i think this is probably one of the best because and i say that because we have our um our you know serialized uh arc kind of happening as as more of our b story and and again we'll i know we'll get to there when we sort of break down the episode you know discussion itself the mcu is ever expanding and if you didn't know, we have expanded an MCU and me, the podcast by Clock Shelves Entertainment, is now available on most of your major podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Uh, so if you aren't already following us, or maybe you have some friends who are getting back into the MCU, maybe doing a deep dive uh, into some of the then Netflix shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, things like that, or maybe even they're catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, or they're just going back and watching all of the movies. Uh, every single pocket of the MCU, of course, is uh, being covered on MCU and Me, so make sure to recommend that they check us out on their favorite podcast platform, uh, MCU and Me, available from Clock Shelves Entertainment. But we have, um, you know, Buffy and, and Angelus, and we have um, um, the whole thing with Willow and Oz versus uh, Xander and Cordelia, if you will. Um, we have all of that sort of happening as like the B story. And then the A story is is the monster of the week. And uh, Bill, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I I would like to get he your opinion. He always does that, but he does it every time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but here you go under the. But I'm gonna, um, but no, because so one of the things, especially considering you joined us very early on in in season one, and I know, um, you know, the last several episodes, you've said how the show is pretty much a 180 at this point versus where, you know, it was in season one. And there was a lot of stuff we've talked about many times on the, on the podcast so far, even how it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say painful. I'm sure you would say painful, but it was, it was very difficult to get through some of those episodes. And it's, it's difficult for us as the, the rewatchers because we know that the show gets better, but I'm sure there's a part of it for you know you as the first time watcher where it's like okay they keep saying this but it hadn't happened you know at, at a certain point like it hadn't happened yet it hadn't happened yet and now you know you you've said the last few episodes of of season two that we've been covering or the last chunk of episodes i suppose um you know the the show is is pretty much a, a 180 but i'm i'm curious your opinion on the fact that we've gone back to a sort of a monster of the week episode in mm-hmm. the fact that we have, you know, the werewolf and whatnot, mm-hmm. and and who is the werewolf and all that sort of stuff, but we still have a lot of our serialized elements again as sort of the B and C stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you if you like that the way that you know the show has developed to sort of have that, or do you you know do you prefer when it's more serialized, more standalone? I'm just curious your thoughts on how this has sort of evolved into this. Uh, structure for yeah. this episode i i'm totally you know serialized that's what that's what i like and um in the end it really was a a totally serialized episode really it wasn't it wasn't a monster of the week spoiler alert um <laughs> which was really i mean it had me the first 20 minutes of this episode i'm like i'm back in season one i'm like this is like i got I got a party city costume werewolf. <laughs> I um, knew it. <laughs> I knew somebody effects, was going to say. As a special effects artist, yeah, I was like, ew, ew, <laughs> ew, ew. Yeah, the so mouth like, barely, like, there was no. It doesn't uh, move. Yeah. So here's right. here's one thing I will say between Buffy and and spoiler alert later Angel. Yes, there's a werewolf that happens on Angel. Um, <laughs> the effects and the costuming and all of that for the werewolves over time definitely gets better definitely does well it has gotten better in the season to be honest but this was just like taking a step back and now i'm watching this episode i'm like this is so hard to watch and you know larry's larry's got to be the werewolf so you know let's get on no let's finish this episode already and then just all hell breaks loose and the twists and the you know and it really paid off in the end so I was proven wrong. <laughs> I would say I really love this episode because it kind of takes, for me, like all the elements we love about Buffy the show and puts it into one episode, which I think is why, um, you know, really on this rewatch, this is one of the first ones that I really truly enjoyed watching again because obviously me being a second time watcher, I know, you know, the ending of the episode and it brings in all these elements of you know the monster of the week but also delving into the different relationships amongst the characters and the lore and I just think there's a lot of uh, great elements in this episode that really kind of make it um, like you said Paul like it's just structurally a very good episode and and that was the thing like I said that was what I was thinking was um, especially 
And one could even argue that because of its proximity to surprise and innocence, you know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. you know, people may look at it and go, well, that was a hell of a, of a two-parter. So how do we live up to that sort of thing? So I think maybe because of, you know, like we said, like the costuming for the werewolf and things, I, I don't think this one ranks very highly on a lot of people's lists, but I think when we're doing what we're doing for this, which is, you know, kind of analyzing and dissecting and, and conversing um, as the, as it says on the tin, um, you know, you, you kind of see how those things aren't the only things that are important because there are so many other things that go into this episode. Um, and so with that, I'm going to give my four fantastic facts very quickly. Um, a lot of them, of course, uh, do sort of reference some season one related stuff. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> at the very beginning, Oz mentions the eyes of the cheerleader statue moving. Uh, and that's, of course, yep. a reference to the episode Witch from Witch. season one, where Amy's mom was ultimately trapped inside the statue. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic fact number two, speaking of season one, Xander inadvertently tells us that he remembers the events of the pack, the, the hyena pack. episode. And I was thinking about the fact that <laughs> when we did that one, I remember, I believe it was Bill specifically saying like, oh, so now we finally have a werewolf episode. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, just you wait, uh, sir. That's one, that's one of those times when my you'll see line actually pays off in an episode <laughs> like this. <laughs> <laughs> um i did uh, love how xander was like i i totally forgot about all of that right <laughs> i, well, I forgot i told you i forgot yeah 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 um <laughs> my next fact is that uh xander stakes his first vampire properly here having staked mm -hmm. jesse in the harvest when someone accidentally pushed jesse into the stake um so on a technicality yes he did stake uh his his you know his friend in that episode but this is the first time uh in really the season and a half or so that we see him uh stake a, a vampire properly and so that's on purpose right exactly yeah um, can i just interject with the, to uh, interrupt your fang fact fantastic yeah now last week we saw xander with the cross shoe off angel right yes now this when when buffy was on her back and the vampire was on top of her buffy's got this huge cross on her chest why wasn't this vampire affected by that cross so very very good point um if i had to say probably because uh it wasn't big enough okay it, was, it, it was could be enough. that it wasn't being it could be that it wasn't being yielded as the weapon Maybe. where if they touch him with the cross he could be burned that was just laying on yeah. her it wasn't like she was using it to threaten it seemed, the vampire. it seemed very prominent like it was pretty big but she wasn't holding it to right, like right. use it to literally threaten her <laughs> right. you know use it as a weapon okay all right i'll buy that <laughs> And my very last fact is that, and I never know how to pronounce his name, and I actually found, and I didn't know this, that 
uh, he is actually deceased now. One of the co-writers of this episode, Rob Des Hotel, Day Hotel, um, stated about this episode, quote, Phases is probably my favorite episode of the five we wrote. Oz just has an ability to pinpoint what's going on and make it sound absurd. I think there's a sweetness to him. In Phases, Willow comes up to him and says, hi, and Oz says, that's what I was going to say, unquote. So I thought that was kind of an interesting insight to somebody that uh, is not often talked about as one of the, you know, prolific writers, I believe, um, post this season. Um, Rob, and again, it could be Des Hotel, Day Hotel, and Dean Batali, who was the co-writer, and, and they were both credited as, I believe, story editors and then executive story editors. Um, I believe they leave uh, after season two. Um, but that's there something you don't often hear about them. When I was a kid, I wanted to learn to play the guitar so badly. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ryan Kratz, and while I may not be your voice of choice, I am a voice. I just wrote a song, and I would appreciate it if you checked it out. It's called Joke. It's live on uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Android, laptop, Walkmans, Discmans, iPods, anywhere where you listen to music, pretty much. I should have rehearsed this. You know, they, they were kind of just kind of standard TV writers, just like staff writers, if if you will, on a lot of a lot of shows. Um, their IMDb pages don't have a whole lot on them and, and things like that. So um, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, to actually have a quote here from that person about um you know the fact that this is uh, arguably one of the one of the favorite episodes by the the writer of the episode, that especially in a time when, um, uh, you know, as we've talked about, kind of season one and season. And I'm not saying that the other seasons don't develop things because that's kind of the point of you know writing is that you're always developing your characters and whatnot. But arguably, seasons one and two kind of set the stage because especially because season one was so short but um seasons one and two set the stage for a lot of what comes after so the fact that um you know somebody who was there kind of in this says that this is uh the favorite of the episodes that they wrote i think that's that's pretty uh pretty interesting there mm -hmm. very yeah so phases is as we said our uh werewolf episode um and uh other than the uh, than the not so great um special effects and whatnot <laughs> um I, I i have something that i want to say later i'm going to save it cuz i have something specific that i want to that i want to talk about later kind of a a uh uh something about the the was well, i'm going to read something later about feminist themes so I know uh, Lisa's probably very excited about that. Um, but uh, one of the other things that I that I definitely want to point out is um, how this episode, 
I don't think it's kind of said outright, but it should definitely be something that we're, you know, keeping in the back of our minds um, during gym class, right? We have the character of Larry who, you know, is is coming off yes. extremely, you know, sexist and all those things. And I, I want to ask uh, Lisa very quickly. Uh, so we've kind of talked about, uh, and, and you, in the previous discussion, you coined probably my new favorite term over the last, you know, three or four days, Xander slander. So, um, Xander <laughs> slander. Oh, <laughs> I thought you would like that. Um, so, uh, you know, about talking about the fact that like Xander, uh, you know, one of the comments that he made uh, in the episode was about giving uh, Buffy the birthday spankings and, you know, how he's he's not always, you know, put together. And I believe it was uh, Amanda said how, you know, in reality, and it doesn't necessarily make it OK, but he's, you know, a 16, 17 year old boy. And that's kind of how the mind works. Again, doesn't make it OK, but it's just what it is. It's, just, you know, a lot of hormones and all of that going on. But in comparison, Xander seems very tame in comparison to the the things that that Larry has uh, going on here again at least in the in the first half of of the episode so um i i i i want to one i want to get your opinion on this but i want to also before before you you say it i want to point out the fact that so there's the the scene where they're in gym class and he larry grabs a handful of buffy's hip and buttocks and she flips him over and that's mere moments after Willow said, you know, you have to be, you know, like dainty little girl like the rest of us. Because Buffy's like, you know, oh, but, you know, she basically is there and she says like, oh, yeah, I'm on your team and, and whatever. And Willow kind of pulls her to the side. And I, I don't want us to forget because, again, they don't say it flat out in this episode. I don't want us to forget the fact that just a few episodes ago, she thought she killed a human because of her super strength. So it's kind of curious here that she's about ready to use that in an almost negative way here on this guy, which then she does flip him and and it was fantastic because it's definitely what he needed. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm curious, Lisa, uh, kind of your, your thoughts uh, and feelings on Larry and his actions in comparison to some of the things we talked about with Xander in you know the last few episodes here so i actually didn't even bother writing down all the things that happened in this episode that were sexist and just because it just would have been too long of a note thing because there was just so many examples (laughs) um so i didn't even bother writing down all the specific examples um and so it's interesting right so obviously larry is um a very much more obvious sexist character right disrespectful character whereas Xander you know he's goofy and he does clearly care about Buffy and Willow and so sometimes I feel especially me on my first watch through can kind of uh what is it called excuse Xander right to say okay well he's he's just goofy and dumb and 17 and he clearly loves his friends and whatever. So I was able to excuse it. Whereas, you know, Larry is obviously much more, you know, doesn't respect, uh, doesn't respect them. Cause he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't care about them. They're not his friends. More and of a so, bully. What was that? More of a bully. 
Right. Like, it's much more obvious. And, you know, he's meant for you to dislike him, obviously, until we learn, if I'm allowed to say, I guess, because you're talking about later in the episode, we know we do find out he's obviously overcompensating for the fact Mm -hmm. that he's gay, Um, which I understand, you know, what they were trying to get at. But at the same time, of course, doesn't excuse his behavior. Like, it was still obviously disrespectful, even though he was trying to overcompensate for the fact that he's gay. Um. Unfortunately, sorry that's that's okay unfortunately from my era that's the way you know because it was like there was an expectation of how boys were to behave and Mm -hmm. so like you said overcompensating to I don't want anybody to notice that I'm not looking at the girls so I'm going to give them a really hard time right you know and it doesn't make it okay it's just it is what it was which is sad right and it's like okay like at you know once we learn okay he's gay i get why he was doing what he was doing but at the same time it's like but that doesn't excuse his behavior and obviously the episode was trying to make us feel empathetic for him but at the same time i was like okay well i get it but at the same time like he never actually i see that he has changed behavior towards the end of the episode but he never actually actively apologizes for the disrespect that you know he's had towards women Mm-hmm. Very true. And I, I, I agree. The, the change, you know, I mean, there there was no apology, but at least you start at least start to see a difference in how he behaves towards yes. the females. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it, it's unfortunate, and it's something you know we definitely talked about, um, kind of in a different way in in the last discussion about you know comparing. Um, you know this show to other shows and and all that and i know we went off and i'm not gonna do that again and james isn't here to to uh have that discussion again um but it is one of those things that we we do have to put in our minds and and i totally agree lisa like there should have at least been a scene where you know uh whether it was said or, you know, shown or something where in addition to being nice and trying to make amends, he at least, you know, like said, like, sorry to Buffy or if she thought, you know, she she basically said a a, a line or did something that any other time would have made him do something very over the top and sexist and he didn't and then she said you know he's like oh no i'm not about that anymore or something you know what i mean um i feel like that that should have been there um but the thing is and and you know we ju- we all just kind of said it there where it we have to remember you know it's it's the, it's the late 90s you know what i mean there wasn't really a whole lot of um just uh, arguably just the fact that they would have a high school character be, you know, open about being gay is, is something that I don't think there was a whole lot of, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like in a lot of, you know, like high school ish shows, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, I feel like that was something more that like some of the, you know, more adult shows might tackle, but you know, they, I don't think they wanted to, sorry one of the problems with that is that yeah they mentioned the fact that he's he's gay but he also does 
the only person that he says anything about that to is Xander. And then it's like, that's our secret kind of thing. Right. So like, a character like Xander be so homophobic today, probably not either. That was probably a thing in the 90s, too, where he was obviously uncomfortable. And, well, that's because that's because he told the guy he knew what he was going through. Yeah, because now and, and Xander, so he Xander thinks that Larry thinks that he's gay, that he's oh, Xander. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, so that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, like, first of all, he's dating the popular girl. And now one of the jocks thinks he's gay. So he's just going, Heck, get, you're getting it over on them kind yeah. of thing. And it's like, yeah, the whole thing is kind of cringy. Right. Of course. <laughs> and well, cringy, cringy is skanky ho. That's cringy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that came out of Willow's mouth. Oh, Willow said, damn it, in this episode. I was like, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> we said a swear word. You know, it's like. Ah, uh, Willow. Um, well, so, so going along with sort of that, uh, we obviously have a little bit more of the development of, as I said before, the Willow Oz in a way versus Cordelia and Xander. And it, it's funny to me that, um, you know, Willow and Oz for the most part are just kind of doing their thing and they're, they're talking and whatever, but it's Willow and Xander who can't stop talking about the other one you know and like oz said in the in the previous one uh when willow said about do you want to make out with me which by the way i didn't get to mention it, there in that uh in that episode discussion oz's delivery of what is probably one of my favorite moments i just wanted to because i forgot to say that in in all of the excitement of actually having most everyone there in person um but uh, having when when he just says that, like, just what? It's just one of my favorite uh, things. But the fact that Oz realizes, you know, that some of the stuff, if not all of the stuff that Willow is doing and saying is in an effort to make Xander, you know, jealous. Hi, friends. This is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties as well as festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, justplaincrazyfaceart.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18 plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world. So even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are. Feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area. And, you know, and he says, like, I'll, I'll wait, basically. And then on the other hand, Xander literally is, and, and Cordelia spells it out for him, like, we're in my dad's car we're at like make out point or whatever, you know, and like you want to talk about them, like what is your problem, <laughs> you know? And he's like, all right, fair enough. And then, um, you know, whatever. But it's just, it's funny to me that these two, and I, I know we kind of talked about it uh, in, you know, the last few episodes about how, um, you know, who should be with who and and all of these things but um it's just funny because i feel like 
and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that's sort of what friends with that tension would do, right? Like, uh, I, 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 I can't necessarily say that I've been there. I, I have a, a female best friend. Um, I know there was one or two times when there was someone that I liked and she, I'm not going to say she got jealous, but it was more just like, you know, this person's getting an awful lot of your attention. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> sort of deal. Um, but uh, it's it's just interesting to me that they kind of can't stop talking about each other. But yet they're they're You know, like Xander is very much like, I don't want to be with Willow, but I don't want anyone else. I don't like the fact that she's interested in someone else. And I, I'm not going to say that's just a guy thing, because I feel like women do that, too, not trying to you know, like start an argument here, but I feel like that's definitely something that does happen uh, amongst people, you know, overall, where it's like, I don't, I don't want to be with them, but I don't like the fact that they like someone else too, sort of thing. That happens with, with teenagers. It happens with exes, you know, it's like, I don't want them, but I don't want anybody else to have them either. Okay, that one I can I can attest to. I can say that one I've I've gone through. Yeah, you know, I it's like. I... Oh, go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that I think that that's fairly normal because it's, you know, you don't want to be you, you don't want to be the person that's like second place or whatever, or you don't want to be the person that's just thrown off to the wayside. Um, right. So well, it's really an ego thing, right? Because obviously Xander doesn't view willow in that way but mm -hmm. it feels nice for him that she views him in that way and so you know oh, yeah he even says at one point which um you know obviously was extremely misinterpreting buffy hugging him but, you know but he says something like oh my life is so complicated and it's like when she hugs him when they're in the um the funeral parlor because i assume he's talking about you know his feelings for buffy and it's yeah you know well, i think because... i think it's just an ego thing because i think he just that, likes that's also the because of the way she looks up at him when when he hugs when he hugs her she looks up at him and there's just a there's just a second there when she looks at him and then realizes no this is xander <laughs> you know like no <laughs> this is this you is know I, I did i did recognize that it's just you know obviously nothing happened and uh, like I said I think Xander just kind of you know gets off on the fact that like okay like Willow really likes me I'm making out with this really hot girl I have feelings mm. for Buffy so I think it's really like an ego oh, yeah. thing oh yeah it is it, <laughs> it definitely and, is and even as far as the look from from Buffy I think more of it was the fact that somebody would had their arms around her and her brain went to Angel and then she looked up and it was Xander and it was like, yeah, no, this isn't right. <laughs> you know, cause she was, she was hurt and somebody hugged her and that's usually the angel role, you know? Right. And then it's, no, it's, it was Xander. Like, mm -hmm. ew. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, mm. So speaking of the, of the funeral parlor, uh, that kind of leads into the uh, Angelus uh, aspect of this episode where uh, we see uh, one of the young ladies is walking home at night and there's a, a, you know, she's seemingly being followed and and there's a strange noise and whatever. 
and she runs into this uh, charming guy. And we talked about it last episode, and I'm I'm curious if we have any additional thoughts on it here, how kind of the, for lack of a better phrase, like the veil has been lifted, right? Because mm-hmm. Angelus is arguably who he is. Angel is is the the mask that he puts on, sort of, and how he gets to be, you know, fake charming and, you know, he smiles a lot more, whatever, but like you don't see a whole lot of Angel smiling. You see Angelus smile a lot. And, you know, he's he's very open with talking, uh, you know, as opposed to kind of sticking to the shadows. And and all I could just picture in my mind is James with his shoulders up uh, <laughs> like he was the other night. Um, and, uh, you know, like that's sort of sort of the thing there with the, one of the one of the you know, many differences between Angel and Angelus. And, uh, you know, we we see that he not really tricks this girl, but he just offers like, oh, you go to school with Buffy and here I'll walk you home, whatever. And then, you know, we see a little bit later he turns her uh, well, she's she's dead. And it turns out that he turned her into a vampire to deliver a message, because as we've seen, he's playing a a psychological game uh, with Buffy here. And um, I, I just like i said before i love the fact that they're that they're keeping the this storyline you know i I keep saying it's more of like a b or c storyline especially in comparison to this episode i love the fact that they that they're you know still going with that and it's not one of those things where um and I, i believe it was uh you know bill said he wasn't sure uh, about the the fact that Angel switched to Angelus in the previous episode. He thought that at first, he thought that, uh, you know, uh, Angel was trying to trick uh, Spike and Drusilla to, you know, gain their trust for a moment or or what have you. But um, I think this, this kind of furthers the fact that like, no, this is, he, he's, he's not, he's not on the, on the good guy's side anymore. You know, and mm-hmm. and I'm curious, uh, Amanda, I want to ask you, because I feel like you haven't talked a whole lot so far this episode, um, <laughs> but I want to ask you, um, what's that? I'm just listening. I know, um, but I, I'm curious, uh, you know, sort of your thoughts. I, I know you can go on and on and on about your, your love for uh, Angel and Angelus and David Boreanaz, but I'm just curious... Uh, sort of your thoughts on the sort of the shift in whether it be how David Boreanaz portrays Angel versus Angelus and and uh, again he he's not so much like I said like in the shadows and he smiles more and things like that is it especially being a fan of his do you not saying are you a fan of the character but are you a fan of his acting more as as sort of the bad guy who is more kind of upfront and out there? Or do you perform more as like when he's, you know, kind of like sulking and brooding and all that sort of stuff? Um, see, honestly, I, I kind of like in the, the first season, like obviously who doesn't like the look of him, but 
Um, the thing, I, I really think that he plays like a really good bad guy. Like he has fun with it. And I think that's what makes it more exciting, more fun, more believable to me when he's angelic. Although I do like him being angel in the series angel. As you're listening to this, you are hearing Buffy Season 2. But did you know that over at Content Club right now, we are at least up to Buffy Season 3 discussion. That is right, the Season 3 discussion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer here on Buffyverse and Converse, as well as some bonus episodes that are exclusive to Content Club, which is where you can get these episodes early and uninterrupted, as well as episodes of Polynol, MCU and Me, and much more. Check it out right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves. Yeah. I can see that. And I think, and I'm not going to say this is always... He's too mopey. He's too right. mopey as Angel in Bucky. Like, I, I, I kind of like him being Angelus. And I'm not going to say this is always the case, but I I think uh, something that like, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw like a a wrestling sort of thing in there. A lot of times you hear not just wrestlers, but like, you know, actors, you know, in, in other things, a lot of times they like to play the bad guy because you get more out of it because uh, so like for wrestling, they're out there in front of the crowd and you can just feel the energy of the crowd and and they hate you and they boo you and and that's really what an actor wants right is they're eliciting emotion out of you mm-hmm. and that's you know a lot of times that's what they that's what they want they feed off of that as performers not i mean not even just saying actors specifically but just performers you feed off of a off of a certain energy and a lot of times with being a bad guy you get to do a lot more because you can say something that may be true but because you're a bad guy it's seen as like, well, I can't agree with him. You know, like a lot of people to to sort of throw a Marvel analogy in there. A lot of people look at, uh, you know, certain things with the Thanos character from, from the Marvel, at least the films, because a lot of people, that's the only way they know the character, but they look at it and they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe he was right in terms of if we, you know, got rid of, you know, half the population, there were, you know, more sustainability and, and a lot of stuff. And then there are other people who are like, yeah, but you're getting rid of half the population. Like you can't just, who decides this and and whatever. And I think it, it sparks, I'm not going to say it sparks a decent debate because that's for another show, MCU and me available now. Uh, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that's not his choice to me, but hey, go ahead. Self-promotion. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, but I, I think that that a lot of a lot of performers would would say that where, you know, it, it's it is sometimes more fun to play a bad guy because you get to like I said, you get to do a little bit more with it. Right. Because a lot of times the good guy character is sort of in a box in a way. Paul, right. Like you, you know me, Paul, you know that. You're a heel in real I life. I can be the nicest it. person, <laughs> but yet, in it on on the wrestling podcast, 
especially when it comes to dealing with one particular person <laughs> I won't mention. I am a born and bred heel. Damn it. Oh, in real life, you're everyone knows you're a heel. I'm real. so on, totally on these, on these shows, you play like sweet little innocent. Yeah, Fiona, but yeah, you're yeah. you're a heel in real you life. You know I'm know a heel. It. You know it. I have the dark heart. It's true. But no, I mean seriously though, I I think what it is with Angelus in particular and and Boreanis and stuff, I think just like it's kind of like the Tom Welling Clark Kent thing on Smallville too, where it's like you're so buttoned up. And you you want to be you want to let it you know you want to express yourself and you want to like you want to tap into those emotions and stuff like that and I feel like when it's when it's Red Kryptonite Clark or when it's Angelus instead of Angel like the you know Boreanis he gets to tap into that and I can see how that would be appealing for you know for myself if I were an actor or a performer of some kind I would definitely like I, I that's what i would want to do because it's like exercising all of that out of yourself in a sense so definitely i think his performance as angelus is is much more appealing in a way in a in a very dark way in a very dark right. way like and that's the thing is like yeah, he gets to be like andrew Phillips too like mm-hmm. they all play well off each other so yeah. I think and that's really the thing is like he gets to be they get to be dark and sinister, but in a way where you still like dude. them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have to wait probably a couple more episodes to get comfortable. Like it's one of those things with a new character, you kind of like you don't warm up to them for a while. Cause he just he just after seeing him for a whole season as Angel, he just looks goofy now, you know, with the smile and the <laughs> herky jerky. Yeah. So, but maybe I'll. It was fun to see Giles so happy about having like a new species of. Yeah, that was Giles is very weird in this episode. He is so happy that there's a werewolf. Which you would think that he wouldn't be. You would think that he wouldn't be happy. Everything's everything went to to hell with Jenny and everything else, and he's happy. I mean, he's happy because there's a werewolf. But you know what I mean. Maybe that's why though. Oh, he's finding his joy where he can. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. he's just overcompensating. Like, there's a maybe. lot of overcompensation happening in this episode, and I feel yeah. like that that is sort of Giles just being like, "Oh, I'm I'm a happy, fun person," you know, like I can laugh yeah. at Xander's cheesy joke, and I I mean, like, you know, ha ha ha, werewolves. Even though on the inside, I'm truly crying. I do want to go back just a moment. I think what you guys said just about Giles, absolutely spot on. I want to go back to a moment or for a moment to what Bill had said, where he said he feels he needs to wait, you know, maybe a few more episodes. I, I, I wonder if, because we haven't really, we as, you know, rewatchers have, and we know, again, we know what's to come and whatnot. We're, you know, we obviously want to keep, bill as free from that and james when he's on as free from that as as we can but i think it's because um we haven't i think there's like hints of kind of that sinister sort of thing like we're like we're talking about but bill and any other first time viewers haven't seen that 
Because what have we, realistically, of Angelus, up until this point, what have we seen? We saw that he was rude to Buffy when he was like, you know, oh, I would have thought you were a pro and all, you know, all those things. He was very rude to her, yes. But he wasn't sinister, right? We saw that he attacked um, the the, uh, Jenny's uncle and left the writing in blood and whatnot. But again, that's not really like sinister. That's arguably what pretty much any of the other vampires in the town would do just with a note that none of the, you know, cause he, he has a, a relationship and a past with Buffy, you know, none of the others like Spike might've done, you know, something similar. And we see Spike as a, as a, as sort of a badass so far, that's cause he was introduced to us that way. And then the other thing that he did was he tried to lure Willow away. Right. And then he got, he got scared, arguably not scared, but you know what I mean? Like, like Bill had said earlier, like the cross that Xander uh, had, you know, sort of went against him. And then in this episode, he, for lack of a better phrase, he tricks a schoolgirl and, you know, turns her into a vampire to once again, deliver a message. There isn't a whole lot of sinister stuff. Like we've, like we're, we all know a little bit more, so we're kind of building it up, but I could Mm -hmm. definitely see from Bill's perspective where he's like, I'm not seeing it because he hasn't seen it. Right. Like he, those things that I just said, that's all he's seen. So I could totally understand why Bill's there and he's like, it's, he's just goofy smiling. I don't like this character so far, you know? Yeah, because it's so different from what we've been trained to see as Angel, you know, like in, so even even knowing that he's supposed to be somebody else, we don't really see up to this point. We haven't seen that. Right. We we've seen the stuff that I just said. We heard back in, you know, season one and, and you know, when like Kendra came along or whatever, because she's like, oh, Angelus, you mean like the worst vampire that ever existed or whatever? You know, like we've heard <laughs> that he was terrible and stuff, but we haven't really seen a lot of that yet. So I could actually totally see, you know, why Bill's like, he's, he just looks goofy with all the smiling. <laughs> hey, now, did he, did he recognize Oz as the werewolf? Because he had he like looked at him like funny like he might have scented him you know what I mean because yeah, they can yeah. you know because he definitely looked him up and down and kind of like smirked a little bit you know yeah <laughs> yeah because Oz well obviously Oz doesn't remember but like he didn't he didn't back down from the vampire and but you know Angelus just kind of stood there like yeah and. Right, right, one right. of my favorite one of my favorite things talking about Oz being the the uh, the werewolf is when he wakes up and he's in the field and he sits up and then he looks down and goes oh huh like seriously I'm naked in the woods I woke up here oh okay but I think that goes along with what the oh that the... that is definitely the the chill Oz like that right. is definitely Oz. Yes, that is definitely, you know, the 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 chillness of Oz in just the oh, okay, so this is new. Like when he called his aunt and said, Oh, by the way, is my cousin a werewolf? I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna bring that up because like that phone call was so nonchalant. Like the fact that the aunt was just like, Yeah, he's a werewolf. Why? Like my family would keep something like that like to their deathbeds. And the yeah, fact that the aunt was just to like check on him. She called to find out how his bite was. No, I thought he how- called I thought he called her to say, Hey, um, 
Yeah. No, because this... he said to her, well, as he's as he was talking to her, she's going, he said, Yeah, no, it's okay. It's healing up pretty well. So I'm I don't know whether who I don't know who called who because we don't see that, but she did ask him about the bite. So she knew he was bitten. But I the thing that she I knew he was I'm, bitten from the first place. Why didn't they just tell him then instead of I know from the turn into a werewolf? I'm... Maybe they thought, well, maybe, maybe they weren't sure he was gonna. You know, like maybe they because it was a kid, you know. Yes, but those are his his adult teeth he got in. That's what Oz said. Well, yeah, but yeah, how old are kids when they get their adult teeth. teeth? You know. But here's the thing that I don't get, and this is, and I'm I'm actually gonna say this, and I, I know I keep making the joke and and you know, it's been briefly discussed on the show, and I am gonna say it becomes more of a thing later on sorry bill but it's that's that's all i'm really going to say about it but the aunt acknowledges like lisa said like oh just so nonchalantly like oh yeah he's a werewolf there are so many instances that we just saw like in the in the previous two episodes oz learns about this this you know supernatural side of sunnydale and then he becomes arguably a member of the Scooby gang when they go to get the rocket launcher. And, and now he's a supernatural creature himself by being a werewolf and whatever. But the aunt is, and whoever else in the family is just cool with it. How does all of this, and I know the answer, but how does all of this stuff just stay secret so long? <laughs> I definitely got uh, teen wolf vibes watching what in that scene when he was talking to the aunt. Well, the fact that they were literally in the bronze as people were cleaning up around them and they were talking about a vampire and nobody's freaking out because there was a big dog that was in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but they're literally talking about going hunting the vampire because the, the or not the vampire, but the, the werewolf, the werewolf hunter comes in. Right. And he's talking to them about it. And nobody that's there that's cleaning up the bronze is going, wait, there's a what? Where? They're all just yeah. like, eh, we're just yeah, going to keep just, sweeping the floor. That's the thing is, I, I'm not going to lie. That is one of the things that that kind of, from an, from this analytical way that we talk about these shows, it does kind of bug me a little bit. Because there's there's some inconsistency with what is and isn't known amongst the, you know, the, the people of the of the town. Uh, it's like uh, Lost Lost Boys, one of my favorite movies. When the, at the end, the last line of the movie, when the grandfather says, "That's the one thing I hate about this town: all the vampires." Like they all knew about the vampires the whole time, <laughs> right? Um, we talked about it. One of the things I want to add, and this is, I'm just going to generally open this up because this is not a, uh, this is not a first-time viewer this is not an experience this is just everybody living in the year 2023 we've talked a whole lot about technology things and cg and and the the terrible uh i believe bill referred to it earlier as the party city costume for the werewolf thing which love that by the way um what did we think about the transition that that uh, Ruth just brought up a, a few minutes ago, the transition of the werewolf into Oz, you know, right before Oz, you know, like wakes up and does the whole like, huh, like he, when he realizes thing. What did we think about the sort of the CG in in that scene? 
I think it was I was it was passable. No complaints on that. I think I think the transition was better when he turned into the vampire in his house. Werewolf. Vampire, I keep saying vampire. Werewolf. When he turned into the werewolf in his house. Yeah. I think that transition was better. That was really than good. him turning back into human in the okay. woods. You know, but again, like I said, the just the the whole because in in that at that point you could still see his face, his mouth could move, you know. So um yeah, like I said, that that you know was much a much better werewolf face than what they had on him. That was just terrible. One of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, and sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course, we try to present you with who those people are across the various Clock Shelves Entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Polynol. Um, it is where I sit down uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and all, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you could find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. Uh, one other thing that I want to make sure that I point out is the fact that we do have this this other character, uh, let me see, Gib Kane here, um, who is a werewolf hunter, uh, basically, and he he has the the teeth, at least a tooth from each one that he's that he's hunted, and and all of these things. And I could be wrong, but is this our first? instance of somebody who goes after supernatural creatures that isn't the slayer i believe so yeah i think so yeah okay so i think that's that's you know noteworthy it's... there is that this you know the other other this obviously we know the slayer has certain powers because this guy does you know like he thinks you know buffy's just a girl and you know all these other things um but uh, except I think for it's... one, the puppet. Oh yes, the yes. Okay, puppet show. Yes. Yeah, <sighs> I almost forgot about it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like that episode, <laughs> but I only like it because it's avant-garde at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no. Okay. So I, then I have a question. Sorry, I have a question. So when when the vamps get killed, they get dusted, right? Yeah apparently the when the werewolf gets killed they don't turn back into a human because he said he skins he said he skins them and because their skins go for a lot of money it somewhere else 
in like Bangladesh or something like that. Sri Lanka. So that that's that's interesting to me because a lot of those creatures turn back into whatever. And I think I could be wrong. I think somehow or another that comes up again in a future episode. Like way, way, way later. Okay. Because like I said, I mean, the fact that he pulled their teeth after he killed them, but he said he skinned them. So, yes. you know, it's like, that's, it, that's interesting. You know what I mean? That they are not just human again. Mm. Yeah. You know, at least it's interesting to me because I watched Supernatural and a lot of those things turn back to whatever you know, oh, all the, all yeah. the werewolf movies, yeah, they all turn back to the human form. Yeah, when yeah. you when you when you kill them, they they're back back to being a person again. So yeah. the fact that this, unless he skins them before they, that's just too creepy to think about. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, does does the silver bullet kill them, or does it just immobilize them? Or no bullets. Whatever? Pardon no me? No, as, as Giles said, no bullets. <laughs> yeah, but well, he had... I, I know, I know, yeah. I know. But, you know, like, that was that was the thing, is like, you know, how is that... Like I said, it was just interesting to me in the fact that, like, they just passed over it real quick, but I was just like, okay, but they're people. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so, one of my favorite lines that Willow gives it when at the end when her and Oz are talking and he's like yeah but it doesn't bother you that I'm you know this and she said hey three days out of the month I'm not so much fun to be around either <laughs> like okay then because there's you know there's a whole lot of like and this is the first time uh normally you use you hear werewolf and it's just the night of the full moon and this is the first time in the lore that there is a three-day time period yeah night before night of and the night after yeah yeah mm -hmm. and then that goes I work in the medical like... field so i definitely know that the full moon affects the day before and the day after oh yeah uh, yeah i work i work retail, retail too. too i'll i'll give you yeah, yeah retail will <laughs> mm -hmm. tell you the same it does. thing yep there's that there's that whole you know but um, you know what i mean but like that's not something that up in a show in, in one of these sorts of things yeah yeah and well yeah because in 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 most of the things they don't normally talk about that it's just the night of the full moon and then everything is back to normal you know and it's like no because it's so close like the day before you know like in the day after so. so one of the things that i that i wanted to talk about on actually i'm i'm gonna read right from uh the regular old wikipedia page uh there is a section uh for this particular episode uh and it just says themes and i'm going to read directly from it in an essay exploring the feminist ethics of buffy shannon craigo snell that's a hyphenated last name uh uses this episode as an example of how the series examines the threat of sexual violence facing women and girls as a quote problematic background against which women attempt to have satisfying relationships with men, unquote. 
Craig O'Snell points out that this threat is embodied by the character of Larry, who sexually harasses Buffy and other girls during a gym class focused on self-defense, and the werewolf hunter Kane, who says Buffy's failure to capture the werewolf is, quote, what happens when a woman tries to do a man's job, unquote. The theme is made explicit when Giles describes werewolves as, quote, potent, extreme representation of our inborn animalistic traits, unquote, predatory and aggressive with no conscience. And Buffy responds, quote, in other words, your typical male, unquote. And I know uh, one of my coworkers, uh, he's in a uh, feminist studies class at uh, at his uh he's taking that at university and he actually he had said to me that um he thought of me within the first few days because they were going to be watching episodes of this show it was very odd and you all know me i'm you know i'm a start at the beginning work your way to the end sort of person but they were like skipping around they watched like the first episode of season one and then the, they skipped right to the last episode of season one and then they skipped to like the finale of season five and you know whatever and i was like okay i cannot no like no because <laughs> uh, <laughs> i just unless you especially because he had never seen the show before and he's like telling me he's like i'm trying to fill in all these blanks and like what happened with this character and i'm like yeah you gotta watch the show because like you know it's it's very difficult to just sort of skip ahead like that like i mean you know bill imagine if you had just watched episode one and then you skip right to this and it's like what the hell's going on here um so, you know, but it's it's interesting that um, and I've seen this ever since I got into the show, I had seen that there was a lot of stuff uh, just sort of on the, you know, the feminist uh, themes of the show. And and we talked about it a little bit uh, when we all got together recently. Um, and I don't remember if we talked about it on mic, um, but I know that one of the things that was mentioned was how um the the writer the creator of the of the show you know uh one i i want to say it was lisa but i don't want to accidentally put words into her mouth um but said about the fact that uh he kind of hides behind feminist themes was that something yeah because you know of course we have a main character she's this little tiny girl and she's super strong and she's the chosen one and blah 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 but then at the same time there's a lot of things that i'm not sure if he recognizes or doesn't recognize as being um sexist right like he's kind of hiding behind this guise of like oh well i have a strong female character so now i could kind of do whatever i want in the show because at least i have this one really strong female character um one of the examples i was thinking of when you were just speaking was even at the end of the episode, uh, and I love uh, Willow and Oz. I'm a big Willow and Oz shipper. Um, you know, she says, you know, he's like, oh, you still want to, you know, do this with me? You still want to, you know, potentially date me? And she's like, yeah, well, you know, she was listening. Things. She's like, at least you don't smoke. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it was cutesy and fun. But at the same time, like, to me, it, I was just thinking about, like, how many 
red flags that a lot of women let men get away with because at least they're not x y and z like it's like oh you emotionally abused me but at least you don't like hit me or something like that like I feel like so many women justify aggressive or violent behaviors in men because they don't do something else that's that they constitute as worse if that makes sense or or well yeah he's mean and everything but he has a good job and right good with the kids yeah, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Right. And it was meant to be like mm. a cutesy moment. Like, oh, well, at least you don't smoke. But like at the same time, it's like really highlighting like how a lot of women will make excuses for men's shitty behavior because at least it's not X, Y, and Z or at least they have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, good point. Uh, I had, when when that was sort of brought up, Again, I think it was off mic. Um, I had said about a a piece that uh, his the the creator's uh, ex wife had written. Um, yeah, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but she she talks about the fact that um, you know while he was doing this show and others, um, he had uh, multiple affairs, and you know he he didn't. Uh, live with the feminist ideals that he preached and and he used it as a shield and and all of these other things um it's out there anybody can can definitely uh you know look it up and and whatnot um but it's it's and i I, we've talked about it before and i don't want to necessarily go into it too much um but it's definitely something that uh is um for me and this kind of goes back to the conversation that I, I referenced earlier and that we had in the previous episode, um, you know, watching something and trying to put certain things out of your mind, right? Like for James, as we talked about previously, it's comparisons to like other shows and things like that. And I know uh, it's something uh, Kiona and I have specifically talked about on here where, you know, this is our first time watching it in quite a while, especially post, you know, all, a lot of that. that. Yeah, a lot of that stuff coming out. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is ever expanding, but with Clockshelves Entertainment's MCU and me, we are going through all of the different pockets of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting all the way at the very beginning with Iron Man. That's right, we go through the films, we're going through the TV series, we're going through the then-Netflix series, and so much more. We are currently in Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe over at MCU and Me, featuring myself and a plethora of people, some familiar voices, some brand new voices, over at MCU and Me. Check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch podcast from Clock Shelves Entertainment. And you could see and, more of his toxicity in it. And that's I, the thing. And and, I, I and I'll I'll admit it's it's probably and I we talked about this, I want to say, in the in the season one finale, and I, I said it there and I'm gonna say it again. There's it's it's myself perhaps being a bit naive. Um, especially compared to the last time I, I saw this, I've grown as a person, uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things that, you know, I either thought 
the last time I watched it or I didn't realize or what have you that I now look at certain things and I'm like, you know, like, obviously it's very easy, right. To see that like Larry was being, you know, overly sexist. And, and as we said before, compensating or, you know, overcompensating or whatever. And then it's very easy to see, you know, the, the, the werewolf hunter, you know, saying like, Oh, is you know, a woman can't do this and whatever. And then, you know, like that's very, obvious sexism right but there are there are other subtle things like we said before about about xander and it's again it's not just xander because it's it's kind of willow does it too not in the sexist way but we said like you know the the ego thing right of like i don't want them but someone else i don't want someone else to have them either and it's maybe again something that since i've been doing some of these podcasts where you know first it was you know, lost and then, you know, with, with wrestling and Marvel and now this and all of these things and looking at it from a more, you know, analytic sort of way of like, what did this mean as opposed to how did it make you feel and maybe trying to mix both and whatever. It's interesting. And I'm just going to speak for myself. It's interesting seeing it again after a lot of those comments were made and seeing things that I didn't necessarily realize before. And again, I'm going to say it may have been my own, I'm going to say it all fancy, naivete. Um, what, you know, with what I thought and, you know, who I was as a person then versus what I think and who I am as a person now. I think it's <clears throat> what society was and what society is now too. I think uh, has a role in that. Well, yeah, because as we as we said, like, doesn't make it okay, but pretty much the brief thing of Larry helping the girl at the end, you know, we said before, like, we didn't see him make amends, but that's arguably, and I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to sound horrible, that little change, that's all we needed back then. Yeah. You know, and that's, again, that doesn't make it right or anything like that, but that's all we needed then versus, you know, now it would be, you know, a whole big thing. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it shouldn't be, I'm, I'm not going to, I shouldn't have to keep prefacing everything with saying that sort of stuff, but it's, it's true. You know what I mean? Like there's more to this. It's more complex than that. Yeah. Well, I think. I saw a lot of self-insertion maybe of, of Joss there, you know, like, like for that character in particular, like he's such a bully to everybody, Xander, Buffy, Willow, Ev Teresa, like everybody. And then all of a sudden, you know, it just like, he does a complete 180 and everything is supposed to be just okay. Oh, see, I, I kind of took it the opposite where, so we've, we've talked before and you know, how arguably Xander is a stand in for, for, for the creator. Right. And, and, More you know, less, yeah. Yeah. right. And how, you know, Oops, part of his thing was, you know, oh, girls, you know, I was always friends with girls, but like they didn't notice me. They weren't interested, whatever. So then he has this badass female character, you know, and she's the star. And then he's 
you know, the 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 nerdy guy, but some but but the nerdy guy Xander gets together with the most popular girl in school, and he also has his best friend who's you know who has feelings for him. And then, you know, there's even if it was a brief, you know, before she looks up and realizes like, oh, this is Xander, not Angel sort of moment, um, you know, and all of these. And and like we said, you know, I, I was something I definitely noticed this time at the end of season one, where Xander is the one that saves Buffy and all of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. we have the big you know, the jock guy and he's, he's such a jerk and everyone should hate him. And, oh, guess what guys? He's gay. Like that's such a nineties thing, right? Is like, that was the insult then again, doesn't make it okay. I understand that, but that was the insult, right? was like, you're gay. And it didn't mean, you know, you're homosexual or anything like that. But now in a way, to make a character who was this and turn him into that. And it is almost an insult to those, all those people who bullied him in high school where it's like, Oh, they were just doing that because they were actually gay and that's, I'm going to get back at them. That's how yeah, it that's, came off to me. A hundred percent. That's a, that's a valid reading as well. But what I'm saying is that like he, you know, because I'm sure, I'm sure that he knows that he's done some things that are not cool. Like for instance, taking one of your, taking one of the stars of your show and slamming him up against the wall and saying, you're dead. You hear me? You're dead. <laughs> like, well, it is interesting actually for you to say that, right? Because if he views himself as Xander, right. And we've talked about how Xander is like this more like this lesser version of Larry, right. Yeah. Where he's still sexist, but it's not so over where a lot of people will notice it maybe on their first watch through or people like you can't really call him out on it because it's not so overt. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if jo- if in Joss's mind and like people who have used Xander, it's like, oh well, at least he's not as bad as Larry. Right? Like yeah. oh like, I think he's so. Bad, definitely. But at least he's not as bad as Larry. And so that kind of excuses his behavior when in reality it's like, okay, yeah, maybe you're not as bad as him but like you're still pretty shitty (laughs) well i think that mm -hmm. i think that goes along with what you were just talking about before with the whole willow oz thing where it's like there are things but they're not these things yeah yeah right yeah you're a dirtbag but you're not you're not larry dirtbag right (laughs) that's a t-shirt larry dirtbag but so to kiona's point it's kind of like I wonder if Joss like was thinking of himself like, oh well, yeah, I'm I'm shitty, but at least I'm not this level of shitty. And like that was kind of like that parallel that he was showing in the episode. Yeah. I I would honestly, I would love to think that, but I don't think that he thinks of himself as even slightly shitty enough even to now. be that deep. Yeah, to, he's, yeah, yeah he's, probably, now. he's not that he's never owned what happened. Right. Yeah. He's never to the to the issues that everybody else has has said about him he's never owned it there are there are people who at least have acknowledged that there was an issue he's never never yeah. even yeah, oh, attempt to to say oh yeah maybe they had a valid point uh okay i didn't know that i mean not talking to me but yeah. right <laughs> um and i'm i'm 
I don't like to spend a whole lot of time talking about, you know, a lot of that behind the scenes stuff in that negative way, because obviously this whole podcast is supposed to be about the show. And I know this is something that, uh, like Manda has said multiple times, where whether whether you know or you don't know to her and I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to single you out this time Amanda I'm, I'm going to own up the fact that I'm singling you out uh, <laughs> um but you know you you've said before like you don't watch the show and think of that stuff because it's not just one person who made the show and that's one of the things that that all the rest of them that worked on the show have said it's it's not just one person there was a team of writers yes there was someone at the top but there was a team of writers there was a team of directors and producers and the the cast you know now that we see here and the cast that you know that uh, I don't think it's far-fetched to say other characters, you know, may come in and, and things like that. That's what happens on a, on a show like this. You know what I mean? So like, it was all of, all of those people that made the show what it is and, and why we, why we still love it and why we can still get, you know, people, you know, Bill, James, Ryan, when he decides to show up for the podcast and, you know, <laughs> others, <laughs> sorry i had to um you know other people who are hopefully you know watching along and and listening you know for the first time it's it's a show that except for you know some some cg and you know certain things i feel like arguably this show stands the test of time in a lot of ways like again there are certain things where you just look at it, it's like okay that's clearly the 90s right like that's this is clearly and one of the ways that that a lot of people in pop culture sort of designate things is this is clearly pre-matrix with a lot of like special effects and cgi and and things like that right is like this is clearly pre-matrix and then when we get post-matrix we'll definitely see that influence as well but a lot of these things, a lot of these, you know, metaphors and things like we talked about, you know, last episode and even, um, you know, uh, the the joke slash comparison that Willow made at the end, you know, you know, a few days out of the month, I'm not the greatest either. Like, I'm not saying that's a complete metaphor, but, you know, a lot of these things stand the test of of time. And so. I, I don't like to focus on a lot of the the negative stuff that happened behind the scenes because this this podcast is supposed to be a, a celebration of this show and and our love for the show and learning more about it, getting each other's you know thoughts and and feelings and Buffy verse and converse. Yeah, but it's not the show. It's really not the show. It's it, it's the time. It's the it's the you know the decade. I mean, Biff from Back to the Future is Larry. So I mean, and that movie is romanticized and. You know, it's just ar arguably someone asks me my favorite movie. I still say that to be fair. So, yeah. and you know, Cliff is like, you know, he's totally, you know, he's Larry. So, yeah, right. But the fact that we can, we can, you know, be here and we can realize things like that. Like, you know, if we, if we, you know, we talk about this and we could say like, okay, this is clearly not okay, but you know, in the context of the time and, and, you know, like I said, relate it to things then versus things now and, and all of that. That's one of the reasons. Well, it, that... it's even, it's even like when, when Willow said, I miss the days when a boy, when you knew a boy liked you, when he walked up and punched you in the arm and ran off to go back to be with his friends. 
you know it's the talking about the, the way that the times were oh yeah yeah that's and that was something unfortunately that that you know led to a lot of negative things on both sides of the of the gender spectrum right where it's like guys thought it was okay that you know you pull a girl's hair or you push her in the mud whatever because guys don't know how to for the most part generally speaking especially when all of that stuff is going on we weren't taught to express our feelings in that way or we don't even know how to express our feelings in that way and a lot of women were girls women however you know whatever were taught that oh that just means that he likes you. And unfortunately that becomes kind of like what we were saying earlier, where, you know, it can lead, not saying it did in every case, but it can lead to, you know, like a thing, you know, women, uh, mom, you and I were just talking about that the other day where, you know, back in, back in the, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, whatever it was, that's how you knew that he loved you is if he if he taught you a lesson every once in a while or, yes. or something like he that. corrected you he, he, yeah he corrects, that's how you yeah. said it yeah yes he corrected you, you i know, would have been burned at the stake back then for going yeah, yeah my grandmother my grandmother was raised in that in that era and she always said that you know a man may hit me once but he's eventually going to go to sleep and then he's going to go from a from a rooster to a hen in one fell swoop because that <laughs> shit didn't fly with her you know wow <laughs> i'm sorry uh, I, I've, I've actually heard that plenty of times i just love i heard kiona chuckling in the background and just lisa going wow because i have the that. feeling lisa i am actually go, for that i support that oh i i think we all do but i i have the feeling lisa's gonna go i'm gonna use that soon like, <laughs> no it's it's just it's just sad no no because it's just sad it's just sad like you're saying well, Paul, like just you know, women, women I, I were know, taught that that's a symbol my... of love. Just a reminder that if you are enjoying these episodes, but don't necessarily want all of these interruptions and advertisement type breaks, you can get the episodes early and uninterrupted over at Content Club. Uh, that is patreon.com slash clock shelves, uh, where you get, of course, early uninterrupted versions of MCU and me, Paul and all lost with friends. You get uh, some exclusive stuff. You get some uh, promotional material early before even the social medias get it. So yeah, check it out. Uh, throw some dough. If you choose to do so very affordable tiers for the great content that you love. It is a great way to pass the time and it's a great way to keep the mics and lights on. My mother-in-law told me about a woman that she knew that she grew up with and the woman got married and the man treated her wonderfully. He did everything for her, gave her everything she wanted and she divorced him because she couldn't believe that he loved her because her, her father smacked her mother, her grandfather smacked her grandmother. How do I know he loves me if he doesn't hit me? And she divorced a perfectly wonderful person because she couldn't believe that he really loved her because he didn't hit her. That's so sad. That uh, is that is heartbreaking. Mm. Because that's that was the that was the norm in her in her formative years. And so that's what she, you know, 
and that's the thing is, you know, that's I I that's how I know he loves me is when he corrects me when I'm wrong. Like, yeah, no, oh. that's not love, not and, anywhere and, near what love is. And bringing it all back around, that's one of the things that for for good or for ill with a lot of the things, you know, behind the scenes and, and things that have come out and even looking at some of the things and talking about, you know, the things where it's, oh, this, you know, this level, I, I took it as this, or, you know, even if it was actually meant to be like that, I do have to say, that's one of the things that the show, I'm going to say encompass the show, not one specific person, but that this show did give us. And I, I would like to think that a, a good generation of people kind of learned was that, you know, you really and i mean think about it like when we see like lists right like it's not so much now because it's it's a lot more prominent now but like we would see you know lists of or you know like the 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 badass females right and the three that are often talked about four sorry the four that are often talked about um uh oh my gosh i can't think of terminator why can i why am i blanking on yeah, her name sarah connor thank you um Alien, aliens. Ripley, Ellen Ripley. Thank you. Buffy and Xena. You know what I mean? Like the fact that Buffy, I think, the fact that Buffy is put sort of in that upper echelon of, you know, 80s to 90s badass women and, and you know, what the men can do and have been doing for years, like the women can, can do just as well, you know, all of that stuff. I think that's one of the, the, the great things that we can, you know, no matter what else we can, you know, look into, read into study and analyze, whatever. I think that's one of the, the, the great things about the show, you know, yes, we like the, we like the interaction with the characters and all of that stuff. And I, and I, I, you know, Bill said it before when I asked, you know, kind of serialized versus monster of the week. I'm very much a serialized person as well. I think that's why I like, you know, whether it be like a wrestling or soap operas or, you know, a lot of the shows that I watch tend to be, and I, I don't tend to watch a whole lot of like law and order sorts of things anymore because I like a more serialized story. And that's one of the things that I, that I like about this, this series um, lost, you know, a variety of others that I, that I enjoy. But I think the the concept of badass woman, say badass girl, however, you know, she's 17 she's woman, badass woman saves the world. Like I, I like that concept. And it was it was different for the time. And to see it every week and and all of that. And again, it, it all it, like I said, it, it kind of brings me back around to the whole, no matter what happened behind the scenes, and yes, you know, for for those listening and and participating when other things that are very obvious come up in the future i'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of those things and i am sorry that we bring that negativity when we are supposed to be celebrating this show but it's a reality of the show but i think it also brings us back around to you know we there are some negatives but we can always look at what the positives are about the show as well I just go by what Sarah Michelle Geller herself said about it, which is that she always wants to be associated with Buffy, but she doesn't want to be associated with Joss. Yep. Yeah. So we can we can enjoy the we can enjoy the work and not approve of the creator. And and right. one as long might as we say keep it about the work. 
one might say separating the art from the artist <laughs> for those who for those who aren't aware uh kiona a uh, friend liam and myself did an episode of polynol available now via clock shelves entertainment we did an episode of polynol about that specific topic of separating the art from the artist and this uh the creator of this show and the show itself came up and, and whatnot so yes um yeah. that's why I, you know but uh with regards to the discussion of phases, and I do like the fact that it's it's obviously a moon reference and all of that, but I think it it definitely plays deeper, right? Because it's it's mm-hmm. the phase of you know that the all of their relationships are sort of in, right? Uh, Xander and Cordelia are out there in the public eye now. Xander, uh, flat out when when cordelia's car is is damaged and they're all looking at it they're in public and he puts his arm around her and i don't know if it's like known known around the school but like a few episodes ago she would not have abided that you well, know because I, his, uh, larry knows that larry says something about him being with with cordelia too right okay yeah i think so yeah so but just what were you the gonna fact say that, lisa uh, I just wanted to point out something funny uh, from like with that point with the car and when they were in the car and everything. I love how he's talking about like it was a werewolf. It was six feet tall and everything else. But like all they saw was like the arm sticking through the car. <laughs> like how did he know it was a six foot tall werewolf? Yeah. Uh, also, been anything. That, also the fact that Oz is like, you know, four foot nothing. Well, you know <laughs> why, right? <laughs> You know why? I mean, realistically, the the reason why it was six feet or whatever, because it had to be huge and exaggerated, because if not, I could have took it down myself. No, but it's just the fact that he even knew it was a werewolf. It's like all you saw was like the arm. Like you didn't actually see what it was. Well, I thought they saw it when when they backed up and were moving. Like, I thought it was just on top of the car. He just like stuck his arm in. I don't think they actually saw well, yeah, but he fell off the car when they when they yeah. when she started the car and took off. He fell off the back, and and Xander was turned sort oh, of that I way. Mean, so maybe dark. he did Whatever. see it. But yeah. yeah, the person, the person in the Wolfman suit got a credit in the end credits. So <laughs> okay. I, I don't know what his name was, but he got a credit. It said werewolf and the person's name. Oh, I have it right it here. Just... It's Keith Keith Campbell. There Shout out go. Keith Campbell. No Keith. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny to me because I was like, it was really dark. He just stuck his arm in. Like, how do we possibly know it was a werewolf? Like, I know we had to further the story, you know, quickly, but right. it was just funny yeah. to me. Um, but yeah, like I said, the the fact that the uh, the title, and I mean, it's it's that way with a lot of a lot of the, especially the some of the recent titles, right? And I, you know, that's uh, you know, surprise and innocence, um, the dark age. You know, I they can't all be super on the nose like Halloween um but you know we we have this episode phases uh did we have anything else that we wanted to talk about with regard to the episode phases whether it be stuff we you know storyline wise uh analytical stuff about the storyline um anybody have anything else i think i think i said my piece on it all right um covered it all we covered it all there it is uh (laughs) so 
if we don't have anything else, um, I am going to wrap us up because even though it is a little late here, uh, I was promised Brinner, so I want to get to that. Uh, for those for those that There's don't know, that's food. There's a lot of food. House right now, I heard. <laughs> yeah, all the food I made. And what does he want? He wants breakfast for dinner. He wants You're damn eggs, right I bacon. do. Bacon yeah, is a part of that. So yes, I do. That's the only bay I need is bacon and eggs. That's right. <laughs> so wow, until... I just heard that. Okay. <laughs> so until we all get together again, or some of us, however, you know, this the schedules line up, uh, get together again for the next episode, which by the way which by the way is bewitched bothered and bewildered um uh kiona manda lisa ruth bill where can they find in that order please where can they find you all uh all around the internet well uh you can find me on renegadepopculture.com which is the website that i co-founded with a couple of buddies uh we cover pop culture basically movies tv shows comics video games music even some mental health stuff. Um, so that's renegadepopculture.com. That is on Twitter as well, at renpopculture, R-E-N popculture. That's Ren, not Stimpy. And um, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at neoplasmic24. That's N-E-O-P-L-A-S-M-I-C-2-4. And that's about it. Um, I'm on Facebook, obviously, as Amanda. And um, I think it's Amanda. And then I have Twitter, which is Liam's last nine two four. Quick, I'm sorry, Lisa. Before you, before you go, uh, we did. We're as we're recording this, uh, we're putting out some special episodes. We did uh, tag. I tag everybody. I try to tag everybody in the different socials as much as possible. But um, if you haven't already. Go follow Amanda, get that follower count up because she did just start it. So the Clock Shelves account has been tagging her. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. Everybody, obviously follow everybody, but I know Amanda needs the the boosted followers because I think she has a whole three as of this recording. <laughs> That's mean to call out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I just made it because I, I felt left out. <laughs> I don't need anyone to follow really. It's not about me. <laughs> And this is Lisa, and you can find me. Uh, this is Lisa, and you can find me on Viva La Deadly uh, on Twitter at Viva La Deadly. That's it. Ruth, me. Okay, um, I'm my name Ruth Casey on Facebook. I'm also just playing crazy face art um, on Facebook, and I'm something on what is it? Instagram, Paul? I have no idea. Hold on, because I want to make sure I get this right. I think uh, it's just underscore crazy underscore Ruth on that Instagram. That is correct. That is correct. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Same thing. New. <laughs> so give her the follow. So I'll I'll call her out on that too. Does that make? Is yeah. that better, Lisa? If I call out my mother and my cousin, if I call them both out, does that make it okay? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I have less than three. So there's that. And I'm okay, Bill, Bill you're up. I'm Bill Cotter on Facebook and Bill Cotter on Instagram and I'm Bagels and Places on Instagram. That's a fun place. 
definitely check out all of these folks. You can find out more about all of them uh, via the Clock Shelves accounts as well. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Clock Shelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. For me personally, I am on Twitter and Instagram at J-P-G-R-B. Um, I am, I'm glad we got to have this conversation because like I said, I think kind of structurally, uh, probably, you know, one of the, the best episodes that we've seen in a while in terms of balancing, uh, story and, and characters that isn't a, a quote unquote milestone episode as, um, surprise and innocence and, and what's my line and that are often seen, um, for a, a, a more, lesser loved episode let's just say um and i am excited to talk about the next episode as well so we will all talk to you next time here on buffyverse and converse and i hope you all had a fang-tastic time thanks for listening everybody <laughs>